Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, have you ever been faced with the challenge of sourcing, installing, and programming a used control module in a vehicle? I know a lot of us have. It seems to be happening more and more often today with the volume of control modules on vehicles, the cost of some new ones, or even the availability of new control modules in some cases used may be the only option. So what do you do here? I strongly recommend checking out SJ Auto Solutions and Tommy Oliva. Tommy offers a cloning service for used control modules to make these things plug and play for the vehicle that you're working on. In a lot of cases, he is also able to source the control modules if you're unable to locate one for the vehicle that you're working on. But once you get connected with Tommy, he's going to offer fantastic support from start to finish to make sure that that control module is going to work in your application. He's also got tech support that he offers through his website, along with some free resources there as well on information about used control module programming. So make sure to check out SJ Auto Solutions. I can't recommend that enough. Hey, what's going on automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping and I'll be your host once again for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. You got just me on the show today. And I'm not going to be sharing a case study. I don't have an interview. I'll be doing something just a little bit different today. Um, I have been going through, I should say, we have been going through uh, quite a bit of a rough patch to start out 2024 in the mobile business. And I wanted to share some of my thoughts and reflections on that after this weekend sitting back and getting a chance to take a breath and look at everything. Um, but uh, right now it's the 21st of January, just for reference in 2024. And it feels like there was some sort of switch that was flipped when the calendar flipped to 24 and man, nothing has been easy for the last three weeks. Just almost comically bad as far as all the things that, uh, you know, could, it's one of those things, could, what could go wrong did go wrong. Everything I seem to touch turns to crap in one way or another. And uh, it's been a struggle. Uh, it didn't help that last week it was brutally cold. And I know it was in other parts of the country that are not used to this type of weather, but this was the first real cold snap we had here. I was also sick, <laughs> so that didn't help. And you don't get a whole lot of days off when you're a business owner, unfortunately. So had to battle through that. And plus the cars have been extremely challenging and even some challenging clients on top of it as well. Um, you know, capping it off with firing a shop, uh, just had enough with the way that they 
wanted to operate and deal with us. And there was also a fire in a shop <laughs> as, as part of all this too, it had nothing to do with me, but I got to be there when the fire's there and the fire extinguishers are going off. And I'm just trying to figure out why this fuel pump doesn't run, but I have to go outside because the entire uh, shop is filled with smoke and fire extinguisher dust. But anyways, um, it, it's been, it, it's been a stretch here. Um, again, why I'm talking about on the podcast is I am fully aware that I'm not the only person that goes through this type of thing. And this is not the only industry that goes through this type of thing. I'm sure it applies to every career and every job position. And I am pretty sure everybody out there listening can relate to stretches of time where it's just nothing seems to go right. You know, it, it happens to everybody at one point or another, but what I do know is, hey, if you are going through it, if you're in the middle of it, it, it can definitely be encouraging to hear from some other people who have been through it. And here's how you work your way out of it. Or here's the perspective and the thought process that you need to take in order to get on the other side of this, because you will. You just have to push through and make it happen. But again, there are things that we can kind of reflect upon to make this better the next time around, uh, limit the amount of times where this stuff sort of happens. You, you might say, oh, it happens to us. And that's, again, all about perspective. Maybe it's happening for us. Maybe we can just avoid it in some way or another. That's the type of uh, things that I was thinking about this weekend as we're getting ready to get back at it tomorrow on Monday. But this stretch of time, you know, the cars have been really challenging it seems like every old, beat up, auction, flood, old European vehicle has come out of the woodwork all of a sudden. And I don't know if it has to do with customer spending and we're just not seeing the same amount of our regular work that we were up until Christmas. And now everybody's just kind of taking care of the problem cars that they've been putting off. But it seems to be that's the only call that we've been getting lately is problem, like real problem vehicles, right? And, and I, I get that what we're doing inherently attracts the problem vehicle. That's the gig you signed up for, Sean. I understand that. But I was talking to this with Fonslo the other day. And you know, he actually had an episode with um, Pedro and Justin about this very same thing that I'm talking about. Uh, and it's an excellent episode on Matt's podcast, Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. I think it was episode 100, actually, if I remember correctly. I'll double check that and I'll put it in the show notes. But I remember it being a milestone episode. But I also remember it being a really excellent episode. So some of the things I talk about here might mirror what those guys are saying. But if you want to hear a great discussion on this, those are three of the smartest guys in the industry. Uh, so go definitely go check that out. But that the vehicles, this is what I was talking about with Matt, the amount of problem vehicles, like real problem vehicles that beat you up, the percentage of that versus just your everyday work has slowly increased as time has gone on. And again, I can attest to that, but it's definitely been the case the last few weeks is normally you'd see for me, you know, maybe 
one a week, one every other week, maybe even less than that, where it really beats you up and it really challenges you um, to get through, like where you're spending an exorbitant amount of time and effort and resources to get something solved, or you have to pass on it because it just, it's taking up too much of your time. Uh, you know, and that's a decision I'm going to talk about, but those vehicles, you know, there was a time where they didn't seem to come at me that often, but lately it's more and more often. And this last stretch of time, it's like every other car that I touch seems to be one of those vehicles, which again, I, I understand that that's part of the gig that I signed up for, but the cars have been really <laughs> crazy. Lots of old European stuff. I got an old Mini Cooper. I'm struggling with a no start immobilizer issue. I had two different pre-2000 Mercedes-Benz all-keys lost jobs, which I'll talk about one of those. Um, old Sprinter vans, ProMaster automatically shifted manual transmissions, which, by the way, those are freaking garbage vehicles. <laughs> um, uh, BMWs, it just, yeah, it's, it's all been European stuff for the most part. That's really kicking my ass lately, but it just, they, they all came at me all of a sudden. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> um, and like I mentioned, uh, there's some stuff about clients as well that I'll talk a little bit about too, that has been very challenging lately. And you know, we're making some decisions internally to say, hey, do we want to continue working with this customer that's making our lives difficult? Is it worth it? Um, and that can be a tough thing to weigh at times, especially if you're just starting off a business or maybe you're not as um, busy or profitable as you'd like to be. Uh, it's a tough thing to consider, you know, not serving, choosing to not service a client when, hey, you need every dollar you can in the door. Um I'm going to go through some key points, some things that I thought of this weekend that really related to all of these vehicles. Um, the first one that I want to get out there is gratitude. And the reason for this is I'm very aware that my problems are pretty trivial compared to others. And what I mean by that is things could be a lot worse than they are that what I'm going through right now, this stretch of like three weeks, could be so much, so much worse than it was, that things could have gone much, much worse than they did. Like everybody is healthy. Uh, we still actually made some money in the last few weeks. We were profitable the last three weeks, which kind of speaks to the system and the team that we have, which are some things I'm going to talk about as well. Um, but though, even though it was such a grind and a battle to get there that, Hey, we still got there. We still made it happen one way or another. So it, looking at it that way, are things really that bad or is this just challenging? Are you being a little whiny? <laughs> hey, it's possible. I understand that. And that's why, you know, looking back on it this weekend, I just want to, reinforced myself like hey be grateful for the things that did go right even though it feels like everything went wrong not everything went wrong just a lot of stuff in succession and more than normal went wrong that's it but a lot of things still went right and i want to be observant of those things 
So you're not overlooking that stuff. And also, again, just have some gratitude for that stuff, for the people who are assisting you that are doing the right thing, for the cars that actually cooperate, the computers that don't crash, the vehicles that don't break, right? Um, and by that, I mean my own vehicles. We had an uh, issue with one of our vans as well. Uh, but, you know, there's so much s- different moving pieces that go into making any business happen, but ours especially. Hey, the, all that stuff that didn't break, you don't really notice it or think about it if everything's working the way it's supposed to. And, but there's a lot of it that's working correctly. And I want to be thankful of that. But like I mentioned, the fact that we still turned a profit for the last three weeks, that we're still in a pretty good spot for the month, honestly, in my mind, um, goes to it speaks to a couple things that I think are also important to focus on if you're going through one of these rough patches. And that's number one, having a team. And then number two, having a system for that team to operate with. And those two things are going to make or break you in these situations. Um, and we'll start with the team. Um, I, I've got two employees, Mike and Steve, and I mean, big shout out to them. I can't say enough about the effort that they've put in. You know, they're, they're going through this stuff right along with me. Um, but that they're there to support me and each other through all of this the best that we can. And yeah, we're all hitting those roadblocks in different ways and with different cars and with different clients, but that we are all there to support each other when we need it. Um, and that would be something I'd say to anybody listening that's doing this as a one-man show. And I know you're out there. I know some of you. <laughs> it's a lot of mobile guys. That's that's how I started out too. Um Work on or work towards getting yourself some sort of team. And mine's small, right? Obviously, there's people listening out there with way bigger teams, whether you're on one or you run one in a shop. Having a group of people that you can lean on, you know, somebody else to lean on when, hey, maybe things aren't going so well for you. You know, you're coming up short for one reason or another. Well, another person on your team can kind of pick up that slack and help you when you need it. And then you can do the same thing for them when they need it. But to have that in place in in the first place is is absolutely huge. And you want to make sure to have that or at least be working towards that. Um, you, you're going to be I think this is extremely difficult to do what we're doing in the long run if you don't have any type of support system there. And I mean, you can have support outside of an actual team at work, right? We can look at professional networks. And I've talked a lot about having a network of friends who do the same thing that you do, maybe in different states, have a chat group or some sort of connection with other people. And that's that's big. Um, just to have a phone call to say, hey, man, have you seen this before? What do you think? Blah, blah, blah. And they can help you out a lot. That's, that's big too. So even if you don't have, you know, uh, a team that works within one business, you can kind of create this, uh, with a network of friends and people that you know in the industry, but ha- again, trying to do this just solo by yourself is going to be so hard. Um, and 
you can even have this outside of work too, and you should, right? Having family and friends that are outside of your business and this industry, and that's huge too. I mean, that's a different kind of team, but them being able to support you, like I needed some help this week. Again, I said I was sick um, and just had so much going on. I, I did. I needed, I needed some help from family and friends, significant other um, to kind of get me through and, and pick up the slack where I wasn't able to. That's big too, right? And you want to make sure that you're being conscious of the time spent with them too. That's that's huge. Um, it's all this kind of ties together where if you're letting yourself become overwhelmed with the work portion of it, the family and friend side is going to suffer. Um, and so again, having people who can help support you so that you can make time for your personal life stuff, that's, that's obviously important too. But that that's one thing that I really reflected on this week is like, man, I'm lucky to have the people, you know, in my life and in this industry that I do, because uh, it makes it so that I can actually get through a lot of this stuff where I don't think I would be able to all on my own. The other half of that is with your team in your business or the shop that you work at, having systems in place is really, really key. And this was one where I was looking at, hey, what systems do we have in place that allowed us to either be successful or to fail at what we failed at this month? You know, why has it been so challenging? Why weren't we prepared? And do we or don't we have the system in place to deal with the types of things that we're taking on? Again, it is a very challenging job that by its nature is going to attract the unique and challenging problems. That's the service that we offer. Hey, you've got a problem car at your shop. Call us. We'll deal with it, right? That's literally what I'm asking for when I sign up for this gig. <laughs> um, and and I do understand that. And so it's going to be part of what we're up against is we're not always going to be 100% prepared for the challenges that are coming at us. Because, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, I can have a problem on a vehicle and I have that for the next five years, I don't see that exact same problem. And maybe I never will. Okay. I, I have vehicles like that where I have it documented, I made a note, I made my notes about it and I got through it, whatever diagnostic problem it was, but then I've never seen anything like that again. It was such a unique problem that, and there's so many vehicles out there and there's so many different ways that they can break, right? You could easily say that there's a million different problems out there that you could deal with as a diagnostic technician. And that number is probably really low, but you could say that for sure with all the different vehicles out there and all the different systems and all the different ways that they can fail, say that there's a million different problems. Okay. If you were to handle 10 cars a day, which I think is pretty good if you're knocking out 10 a day, but that's still going to take you over 200 years if you wanted to see all the different problems that were out there. Right. And so I think it's safe to say that 
even if those numbers are just loosely based, that we're never going to see it all, right? There's always going to be something unique and challenging. And that's part of the, the part of the job that I really like is the challenge, right? It pushes me outside of my comfort zone, pushes my limits, makes me better because I am constantly being challenged by what I'm doing. It's not monotonous in any way. I am never bored at what I'm doing. I can't remember the last time I was bored on my job. It just does not happen. Maybe chasing down an intermittent and I'm just driving it around. But the challenge is part of what I like about it. But at the same time, you know, when they start to pile up and like recently where I start to be challenged consistently over and over and over again, and I'm not getting caught up with all the different challenges, it does get to be overwhelming. So back to what I'm talking about with systems, how do we build a system that handles this correctly? When we're taking on new jobs even just module programming, like I mentioned, the Mercedes-Benz All Keys Lost. How do we have a system in place to get us ready for a call on a 2000 Mercedes SL 500 All Keys Lost? That's a tough one to have a system in place. But what it comes down to, in my opinion, that I was really thinking about this weekend is we have to be very conscious of the services that we offer. One of them is all keys lost and be prepared, you know, to be called on specific vehicles and really to know ahead of time in this case, like for that specifically, like, Hey, we're not equipped to handle this one. And in that specific instance, it probably was in my best interest to pass on the job. Um, the, the reason I did is, is it actually is for the local Mercedes-Benz dealer where I'm at. The keys for that type of vehicle are discontinued. So Mercedes can't even get them. And I would imagine if they were to get their hands on an aftermarket one, their tooling is not going to uh, work to program it in. Um, actually, based on what I found, the keys are, it's like an old BMW. The keys are all programmed into this thing. And so the key that they would have ordered would have been pre-programmed to the vehicle or they have some way of setting up the key specifically to that vehicle and you just put it in the car and it works. So the fact that they couldn't get that, that's why they ended up calling me to say, hey, are you able to do this job? Now, being it's for the Benz dealer, I wanted to do it, right? And my mind goes to, well, hey, if I can do this one, I might get more jobs down the road. That's the business decision. But I'd be lying to say if there wasn't a little bit of ego involved there too of, hey, I want to be able to do a job for the Mercedes-Benz dealer. Not that they couldn't do it, but that you know they didn't have the resources to get the job done. If I could do it, hey, that would be a really cool feeling. Well, it turns out I have way too much time into this vehicle. I did get it figured out. I did get it started. Um, we got some keys made for it, but I spent a lot of time and money to make that happen. And I am set up for it now. I know exactly what to do. And I made a detailed documented process on how to do this. So the next time I get one, it'll be a fraction of the time. 
This episode is brought to you by L1 Automotive Training and Keith Perkins. If you're looking for education on module programming, J2534, EEPROM work, key and immobilizer, electrical diagnostics, or drivability diagnostics, Keith has a website, l1training.com, that's got over 60 hours of training videos on all those subjects and more. When I first started out doing mobile, I utilized Keith's videos on module programming and J2534 in order to get my head wrapped around what I would need for the tooling, the computers, the software setups, you know, what kind of obstacles I would be up against when I'm out there programming modules on cars. And it was a huge benefit to me. And I continue to use the training videos um, that he has on his website. So I strongly recommend checking out l1training.com. The link is in the show notes. And in a way, I have to be realistic with myself. Well, when is the next time you're going to get a 2000 SL 500 all keys lost? Like, that's not going to happen tomorrow. But I, I would like to make the argument that this is the dealer. So if people are coming to them for keys, I would get the recommendation. That's my hope anyways. Now, will that pan out? I don't know. It's a roll of the dice. But I will say again, I spent a ton of time over the last week plus, actually a couple of weeks to make this happen, to get what I needed, to figure it all out. There's a lot to it. Um, it was not an easy task in any sense of the imagination. Like Everything about it was difficult. The leashy was difficult. The key was difficult. Just getting the right key was difficult. The programming was difficult. The programmer was difficult. Like every single like point in that job was a hurdle and a challenge. Uh, probably the most difficult all keys loss that I've done. But I, I learned a ton. I did. And that's that's where, you know, I've always looked at these things as hey, I learned just a ton about these vehicles. But you do have to ask yourself, okay, well, how many are you going to see? How valuable is this information going to be to you in the future? I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that pans out. And I know I'm kind of rambling on with this one. But this is where it goes into, hey, I do run a business. We do need to have systems in place and we need to have something that says, you know, to the people running the business, what types of things do we want to take on and what types of things do we want to pass on? How do we make those types of decisions in the moment, right? And looking back on it, this probably was a smarter one to pass on and I could have put my efforts into things that were more profitable in the moment and in the future. So stuff that I know that I'm going to see more of, stuff that I know that is out there on the road that I can handle easily, that does not have as many challenges and roadblocks. And it's the same thing with the diagnostic work too, right? I love the diagnostic work. It's a big part of what we do. But it presents us with the challenges. And so we have to make decisions as a business of what and how much are we going to take on of this diagnostic work? How are we going to handle it? What are we going to charge for it when there's opportunities out there to do work that has much less friction, right? And 
this is all part of the system that I'm talking about to run an actual business, to make a profitable business, because that is what we're trying to do at the end of the day. It's not just a hobby for Sean. I mean, some some days, yeah, okay, it, it definitely is. But I have employees to support, right, that we need to make sure that the business is profitable so that everybody does well. That's That's the point at the end of the day. And so we need to make those decisions to say, what are we going to take on? What are we going to pass on? How are we going to make those decisions? Um, I read a book recently that presented an idea. Uh, it's called the 80-20 principle. And I find this really, really interesting. And if you look into um, books and information about business, you actually see this come up a lot. Um, and, and what the idea is, is that 20% of your customers or your clients, or you could say 20% of the work that you do, the things that you sell, the services that you offer, are going to produce 80% of your income or your profits. Okay, so let me say that again. And we'll, we'll start with our services that we offer, right? Because I offer programming, I offer keys, I offer ADOS, diagnostics, all right? I sell some scan tools, you know? 20% of what we do provides 80% of the profits. And the same thing goes for the clients. 20% of the clients will bring in 80% of the profits or total sales, however you want to look at it. And that those, while those numbers are not always 100% perfect, they're very close. And looking at my reports for the end of the year, it's also very accurate. And the idea is that you look at your sales and your service, you look at your customer base and you say, okay, well, who is that 20%? Are they actually bringing in close to 80% of the income for the business? And what I found is that is true. There is about 20% of what we do that brings in most of our work. There is about 20%, maybe even smaller amount of customers that bring in over 80% of the money that we're bringing in. And how do you, number one, focus on that 20%? How do you put more resources, more effort, more marketing to that 20%? And then how do you cut out the rest of that 80%, put less effort, put less marketing, less research into that 80%. And that's how the big companies do it, right? That's how the big players are going to look at business and sales. And we can do it too, as small businesses, as auto repair shops, is to you know look at your year-end numbers and go back and look if you have access to that type of thing. I mean, even as a tech, right, you could look at the vehicles that you work on. Um, hopefully, your, your, the place you work at has some sort of documentation where you could look this type of thing up. Um, I know at Firestone, we could generate all kinds of reports through their in-store system. We just had to you know, talk to the people who had access to that stuff. And you could get all kinds of really detailed information of everything that you did throughout the year. Um, but for us, you know, we document what we do on a ticket. So we can say, hey, we programmed this GM module or, hey, we did an electrical diagnostic or we did a parasitic draw or this or that. 
And then you can look at it at the end of the year and again say, okay, this 20%, the small amount of what we're doing is generating most of our profits. How do we do more of that? How do we focus on more of that? And coming back around to the whole systems thing and what I'm talking about with these challenging things is sitting down and looking at, okay, what have we been doing these last three weeks compared to what made us the most successful in 23? Okay, how much of what we're doing is in that 20% or is it in that 80%? And then going forward, how do we change that? Okay, well, maybe we're turning some jobs down, right? Maybe we got to set our ego aside here and don't let, you know, that that ego prevent you from making these types of decisions. Like you don't have to take on everything. And I'm talking to myself right now. <laughs> you don't have to take on every extremely challenging jobs. You can say no, and but you do risk losing the customer. But again, look at the customer and look at, okay, is this the 20% customer? Should I be, should I be spending a lot of my time on, a, on customer customers that are going to bring in 20% of the profit or the sales for my business? Or should I be focusing on the 20% customer that's bringing in 80% of my profit, right? Um, and, and I mean, it does make sense to cater to those ones that are going to bring the most money into the business, focus on the services that are going to bring the most in. And that's part of the system that I need to implement a little stronger in my business to again, just really focus on, okay, what's going to bring in the most, you know, business. Now within that, of course, we're offering the services that we do, but what we offer seems to really just jive well with specific shops, specific clients and specific jobs that we do. And Hey, that's what we, we need to focus on to cut out some of this other stuff that really drags us through the weeds. Um, and try to avoid that. Hey, unless I just end up with a bunch of extra free time and I want to take on all these challenges as a hobby. Okay. Well, I might, and I, and I very well could, but at that point I'm doing it, you know, at my leisure, I don't have a ton of pressure, you know, the profitability of the job and the payroll don't depend on the stupid challenges that I'm taking on. Um, so th that was the thought. And again, that applies for your clients as well. You know, you can't be afraid to move on past a client. And this is something that we found. We had to part ways with a shop recently because they just were so difficult to deal with. And I didn't want to do it anymore. And both of my employees were happy to hear that, like, thank you. We did not want to deal with that shop anymore. And I, I didn't either. And we're, we are better for it, but that was a tough thing to do. Like, I don't like just saying, nope, I don't want to do business with you anymore, but that is something that will actually benefit the business. There are right and wrong customers for your business and they may get serviced way better. They might find a way better fit with someone else. Maybe they're just running a terrible business. That's a possibility too, but maybe they find somebody who just fits perfectly with the way they operate and everyone's happier for it. Um, but it, the fact of the matter is, is cutting out stuff like that is going to be a net positive for our business and our success and less stress, less challenges, 
just moving on past that sort of thing. So those are the big things for me. Uh, you know, the last one I was really thinking about is that this all comes in waves, right? And sometimes you get smacked around, you know, sometimes you get hit pretty hard and knocked off that board. But if you want to catch that next one, you just got to be prepared. Um, but also take some time to do what I'm talking about here is reflecting back on what didn't work and then actually address what needs to be changed, right? Don't let the ego get in the way of, hey, I've got this all figured out. We've done it this way for blah, blah, blah years. We're not going to change things now. You know, seek out some help, talk to some people, do some research, read a book, figure out, okay, what changes could I make? And then actually do it, right? Nothing changes if nothing changes. <laughs> you have to actually implement some stuff, try some stuff. Maybe, hey, you try something that doesn't work, you can adjust it, but actually put something into motion. If you're going through some hard time, things are challenging, things are not working the way that you want them to, and you're stressed out, well, change something, right? Do the legwork, do the research, talk to people, read a book, get educated, and then implement it and see what happens. And that's the only way things get better. And so that's what I'm going to try to focus on too. So that is that. That's what I got for you. So uh, thank you for listening to the show. I really do appreciate it. Uh, hey, if you want to win a free automotive diagnostic podcast t-shirt, all you have to do is leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts or leave us a comment on the YouTube channel. We got a YouTube channel now. And every month at the end of the month, we will do a drawing for one person to win a free t-shirt. We'll read your name on the podcast. So you got to listen to the podcast or your username. And then all you have to do is reach out to us, give us your t-shirt size, and we'll get that mailed out to you. But with that all out of the way, let's get out there. Start fixing the world one car at a time.